Do you like bass? Yes. Do you like melody? Yes. Do you like harmony? Yes. Then it's time for chorus versus chorus. Chorus versus chorus. It's time for chorus versus chorus. Chorus versus chorus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Chorus versus Chorus. I am one of your co-hosts, and my name is... I'm get, I'll get back to you on that. We're still, <laughs> we're still figuring that one out. I'm the other guy. And today we have a theme for you that has been on deck for almost a year. Long time. Makes sense, because it's about the span of time. Ooh, spooky. The theme is life. Life, baby. When was the last time, Ethan, that you played the game board life? Game board? (laughs) The board game. The board game life. The last time I played the board game life. That just gave me the best nostalgia hit I've had in a really long time. I used to love the game life. Oh, yeah. Because you agree with that little capitalist in me was like, yes, I will go to college and increase my earnings like a good little boy. (laughs) I was going to say, because you agree with it politically 100%. I do, totally. Give me that white picket fence, baby. Got a car. Life is about the accumulation of capital. <laughs> das Kapital. No, more like Mas Kapital for hey, me. Hey, <laughs> that's a good joke. I'm keeping it. Don't steal it. That should be like Turning Point USA's <laughs> motto. Listen, libs. Uh, so... Today's theme, we have four subcategories. This is one of our, I don't know, what will we call this? Our like our our bullshit metaphorical episodes. Yeah. So the four categories are, I think experts agree, the four distinct phases of life, right? The first experts <laughs> agree with us all the time. No, I'm not naming who the experts are. People are saying. So the four categories are cor- corresponding with uh, the phases of life, birth, youth, adulthood and death ethan of these Mm -hmm. four things what have you experienced oh man it metaphorically literally personally literally just where where in your journey are you uh i've got the the top three down waiting on number four are you an adult yet um here here is my take on this there is this weird culture of being like oh, I have to be an adult and like pay my taxes or like adulting is so hard. And I'm like, I think it's actually nice to do Mm. certain things and be responsible for your own actions. Yeah. There's some pretty good stuff going on there. To kind of like go your own way, to not depend on no one. You were a bit of an adult in college. You were like, I don't want to go out. No, I want to drink tea. Oh, in that sense, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Adulthood, it's a construct. Teenhood is a construct. Undoubtedly. So is music. Music doesn't exist. And with that, (laughs) let's talk about some songs that don't exist. Uh, Before we go in, I'm going to learn about this when you talk about your choices. But how did you approach this episode? Did you look for like lyrical matches or you know what did what did what did you uh what was your your strategy for this i mixed it up like i really really mixed it up with the this the way that i approached it so 
some of them were just a lyric because there's a song that I've been listening to and I really wanted to talk about it, frankly. <laughs> some of them were the archetypal. I feel like this song is an example of it. Some of them I chose because I thought there was a really interesting dynamic between the subject matter and the musical choices. Mm. So I was a little bit all over the place. Yeah, what about you? you? Know, basically, just sort of lyrical themes. And then I use mm-hmm. them as a bit of a, I don't know, like a collage, like a bricolage of like my personal philosophies, my personal philosophy about each of those mm. uh, phases of life, I guess I'll say it'll, I guess it'll be easier to explain once once we get into it. So, so why don't we just get into it? Let's do it. Uh, our first category is birth. And Ethan, do you remember your birth? I remember when I was 12. <laughs> uh, I don't. I it Okay, is it even possible? Like, memories can't even form. Like, you don't have no. the ability to form memories. I think people age. who claim they remember their birth, is, is they're full of shit. Like, they're grifters right. or something. But I don't know. I feel like you would be profoundly traumatized if you remembered your birth. Undoubtedly. Yeah, it's like it's a really like surreal, gross, upsetting process because like it's not going to get any better than when you're floating around in that amniotic fluid, right? Now that no adulting necessary. No, just soak it in embryos. Like it's literally just uh, it's a it's a nine month weekend at the spa. Like (laughs) nine month weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) (laughs) So. This is all a way of saying that I remember my birth, and that's why okay. I'm that's why I'm so messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm messed up is I remember, but I've I've you pushed it, it down out. so hard. I've blocked it out. Interesting. Yeah. So uh for my choice, Ethan gave a little hint about it. Um, debuting for the first time on chorus versus chorus, which is crazy because he's one of my favorite artists, T-Rex, Mark Boland's uh legendary glam rock project t-rex i chose mm-hmm. the song cosmic dancer from his 1971 classic electric warrior which if you don't know t-rex that well just know their one hit bang a gong get it on uh that song is on this album t-rex just as a way of introducing t-rex before talking about why i chose it for birth what do you think of t-rex ethan a very So let me start by saying, I don't know anything about the band and I kind of like that. So you're about Mm -hmm. to kind of like ruin the mystique for me, I feel. (laughs) Okay. But that's fine. You, you may continue. Well, what do you think of them musically? What is your relationship with them musically? Love T-Rex. Oh yeah. It is, it is the strangest pop music. I feel like of that era of the like glam rock era and, and they're, they're categorized as glam rock, right? Yeah, like, they're kind of like Bowie glam rock pioneers. Bowie was kind of yeah, like doing and, and... glam rock because of T-Rex because he loved T-Rex so much. Yeah, and to me Mark Boland, the lead vocalist, he is just his voice is so strange. I just so whenever I listen to T-Rex, I'm always sort of like, yeah, I could see this being like this idea of glam rock, but his voice has always just struck me as so absolutely wild that i i just he's, doesn't it he's feels like off the wall he's like the serpent in the garden of eden he's yeah. just like sexy and evil 
Mm. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. his voice. That's a great description. So I've loved T-Rex since high school. I think it's the sexiest music of all time. Like I think you can't capture like swaggering sexuality better than T-Rex's music. What's interesting is, you know, when I say it's Mark Bolin, it basically, you know, like it was his project. He started it actually as a, as like a age of Aquarius hippie acoustic children of the stardust project in the 60s. And then he transitioned it over. So when they were when they were an acoustic psychedelic duo, they were called Tyrannosaurus Rex. He sort of rebranded it as T-Rex when he went electric, basically. Uh, The interesting thing about T-Rex, which you did not know anything about them, uh, I will tell you that what is very unknown to Americans is that there was a period actually says here on Wikipedia from 1970 to 73 mm. T-Rex was the next Beatles like really? literally commercially and so we we don't have a sense of this in the US because bang a gong get it on which funny little trivia note uh, was called get it on in England but Americans are so prudish that they had to name it bang a gong <laughs> because i guess in you know 1971 saying get it on is like equivalent to saying like i want to fuck you in the pussy or something (laughs) (laughs) it's just like the dirtiest thing you could say in 1971 (sighs) um but yeah like they had 11 singles in the uk top 10 for three years i guess four years so it is it is just like lost to the u.s it's kind of like how Dexy's Midnight Runners are like known as a one hit wonder in the US, but they're like the most beloved best selling band in Ireland. <laughs> These kind of moments where it's like, oh, the US isn't the center of the universe. Like there are bands that are well selling and beloved. Mm. And that was T-Rex. T-Rex was literally sequentially the next Beatles for four years. Like they just Crazy. sold hit after hit after hit. And he invented glam rock, which I suppose we can characterize as bringing very intense theatricality and gender bending pre-punk songwriting Mm. to, I guess, British pop, post-Beatles British pop, basically. And also like much more, I guess, distorted guitars or bringing like very distorted guitars to Beatles-ish songcraft. So that's T-Rex in a quick nutshell. The song I chose was Cosmic Danza, which is the second song on uh, Electric Warrior, the 1971 breakthrough album by T-Rex. Right away, this song is just, I, you know, for birth, I chose some hippie bullshit. Hey, man, uh, it fits. I was dancing when I was out. I danced myself right out the room. But, you know, I I say that facetiously, I think in its bleeding heart silliness, it is somehow profound, right? Or something where you just like, if you just push yourself past like your ironic detachment and kind of like think about it, I think it's like kind of beautiful. He talks about how he danced himself out of the womb. Mm -hmm. He was dancing when when I said I was dancing when I was eight and I will dance myself into the tomb. 
right? Mm. There's nothing particularly profound or poetic about these lyrics or any T-Rex lyrics. That's the other thing about Mark Bolin is that he was just, he made music that was shamelessly and gleefully sexy and dumb as hell and mm-hmm. kind of like kind of trashy kind of like sultry but that's just what makes this song even better and even more somehow profound just this idea that like yeah we're just stardust twirling and dancing through the universe and we get we get hooked into life and we twirl our way out of the womb and we do some stuff and then we twirl our way back to death and then we go back into the cosmos It's almost like a tone poem, you know, or, or like mm. a haiku. It's just this mm-hmm. like very simple image conveyed through a big, dumb, stupid rock ballad. And I love it. And I love T-Rex. And I'm surprised I haven't talked about T-Rex yet on the show. Yeah, seriously. I mm-hmm. think this song is like the perfect example of like weird glam rock. It also goes from like minimal to maximal really quickly. Yeah. So I chose a song, Man, We Was Lonely by Paul mm. McCartney. Um, also, let it be known. Let it be. No. Uh, there are three artists that I'm not going to introduce because you know them. Mm. I chose three. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't dig in the archives for these three artists that I chose for my first three choices. But the first one it is Paul McCartney. It is We Was Lonely. Man, We Was Lonely. Did you know that he was in a band before he achieved solo success? Did you know that he was in a band before Wings? <laughs> Who knew? Unbelievable. So I chose this song because it is, I think, a great representation of this period of time in Paul McCartney's life where he was starting to write songs about his family and transitioning away from like doing the Beatles stuff and being I think a little more introspective and like talking about his family union specifically there's a lot of songs that you could choose that Paul McCartney has written about I guess birth or family Um, but Mm. to me this is I think like a very simple and sweet song period but also very sweet and simple song about like what his child meant to him as as simple as it gets man we was lonely yes we was lonely and we was hard pressed to find a smile but now we're fine all the while So really, it's like my wife, Linda, and I, we were feeling alone. We had this child and now we're doing all right. And it's like obviously much more complicated than that. But I think it's so nice to have this like and the song itself is very sing songy. It's like very in that beautiful sort of Paul McCartney way, like goofy, but also earnest. 
like um, a guy on a ukulele sitting underneath a palm tree on a desert island just like doesn't give a shit if people are around to hear it but it's exactly. just like so beautiful you know yeah yep exactly yeah so it's it's not cosmic it's not talking about dancing out of the womb but i do think it is like a very sweet ode to birth not as an experience to be experienced <laughs> but more as a person whose life is impacted by it so that's why i chose it i don't know this album is great it's he played every instrument he did yeah couple things about this song. So first of all, what's so funny about all the hate that Paul McCartney got when he first became a solo artist was like, you know, you got George Harrison doing the triple album and it's like Phil Spector's wall of sound. It's this major artistic statement. You got John Lennon, like Dark Knight of the Soul doing primal scream therapy on the track of Plastic Ono Band. And so many people are pissed off that like Paul McCartney's just like haters mad. I am with my wife and we had a kid and I am so happy and I like hanging out at home and I write some dorky songs about how I like to hang out with my family and be happy. And people are like, no, where's your big statement? And that to me is just very funny. Truly. And like, it's just like to that point that you were saying, it's just like he accomplished the most that a human being can accomplish before he was 30. And then he just decided, like, I'm ready to have a normal life filled with pleasure, like simple pleasures. And like, I'll make some sweet little songs on there. And everyone's like, how dare you? Paul McCartney, what an asshole you are. So that's pretty funny. The other thing I love about, I was going to say this too, about Paul's solo stuff with this album and Ram is something that I think is so sweet about his artistic partnership with Linda. And it's related to what I was just saying. Because like to him, he was just like, I, I'm just a dude living his life and I'm making music at home, right? Linda McCartney famously did not have a very good voice. But like every time you hear her sing on any of these songs, especially on Ram, the album Ram, like he, I mean, it speaks to his genius, obviously. And also it just is like so sweet, I think, and speaks to his love of her that he was able to like record her voice and use her voice in a way that like worked really well. It's... Not a traditionally good voice, but he just wanted to make something with his wife mm -hmm. and have fun. Mm -hmm. And he's also Paul McCartney and it just like works. He makes the voice work. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that like Paul was the master of like manipulating his voice. I, I honestly, I've had this theory in the back of my head about Kendrick Lamar in his like Beatles McCartney era of like doing all these different voices and like mm -hmm. i think he i think kendrick i believe that's like all of the beatles but like yeah. in in one way he is this paul mccartney character where he can manipulate the way in which he speaks and he can be guttural and he can be high-pitched and he can be sultry and soulful and paul mccartney just manipulated the way that he sung and in order to accommodate linda like i think right. that's as simple as it gets is like he knew this person didn't have the greatest voice so he was goofy about it and they made goofy yeah. music together and it didn't need to sound pitch perfect and amazing right. and yet it just sounds great because it suits yeah. the song really beautifully so that's also a very nice thing about the sort of like domesticity that this song is 
describing. So yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, who are we gonna give it to? I'll give it to you. Love T Rex. Yeah. It's also like more deep and funky and kooky and weird. Kooky, weird, psychedelic, Aquarian. Aquarian. <laughs> I'm in. We're good. All right, I'll take it. Cool. Let's move Talk on to, to yeah topic number the second. We're talking about youth. Youth. And again, I uh, I didn't choose a thriller here, but I did choose. <laughs> it's kind of like I had to choose a song. Because yeah, you it's haven't just you haven't gone off about this guy yet on the show, and he's like one of your, this is like one of your favorite albums. Yes, the song I chose is "Father and Son" off the album "Tea for the Tillman by Yusuf, aka Cat Stevens. What a hip cat he is! What a hip cat! This is. And Dane and I talked about this like all the way back in college, even like this is a perfect album. Mm-hmm. There are no songs that are not as long as they should be. Yeah. It's only like half an hour too. like, it's crazy. This is this basically album, a punk album. This album has some of the best short songs of all time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the last song T for the Tillerman at a minute and five seconds is the, is the highest quality to time ratio of any song yeah i would argue we should do a theme that some is somehow about that concept Ooh, i like it so yeah i this album is in my eyes perfect it is sort of like a folk masterpiece and Mm -hmm. it's so hard to choose a song about youth and growing up that isn't father and son (laughs) (laughs) for me because it's just like it's like, okay, I could choose other songs that are really good and interesting and have something to say, but this is like, it does everything right. It's it's sort of like a grim fairy tale in that mm-hmm. like we have then extrapolated all fairy tales to in some way be similar to grim fairy tales, like the structure of it and the things that mm-hmm. it does well. And you can also, it's like Shakespeare. Like you mm-hmm. can kind of always point back and be like, ah, this does these things well. And that's why it's a good example of this classic art form. If you don't know the song, I feel like maybe your parents never played it for you. I feel like Cat Stevens is definitely an artist that could have like passed people by if it yeah, just never I mean, got introduced to you early on. I, I know about it because of my dad. It's like right. dad, it's dad music. And also like, it is. it needs to be dad music because this is about fathers and sons you know it's it's boomer music for sure but Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i i will say a few things one lyrically it's the archetypal story of a parent and a child having a disagreement the child having this intense passion and wanting to pursue things and the parent saying oh you're just not really old enough you haven't experienced these things like it's okay take your time settle down it's not time to make a change just relax take it easy you're still young that's your fault there's so much you have to know find a girl you're still young that's your fault what a line right and that's the thing is like it's not just sort of terse dialogue there are those poignant moments i mean you're still young that's your fault like that is that is the perfect example of a parent like saying something that they know is talking down but saying it in a way that they're 
they're sort of trying to soften the blow, maybe intentionally, maybe they're trying to be a little poisonous. It's yeah. just it the tone is really good. And the other thing is like musically, the fact that he goes from one register to another, he goes up an octave when he's the son is just mm -hmm. the perfect way to complete this song. How can I try to explain? When I do, he turns away again. It's always been the same, same old story. From the you know, I imagine that when he was writing this, he didn't necessarily have that in mind. But then sort of, it, it's just the perfect he way to it. distinguish between those voices by literally changing his register. This is just a great song. Another line that gives me chills from the moment I could talk, I was ordered. I was to ordered listen. to listen. Yeah. So, <laughs> so good. Really good. Also, the, really, the song really is good. the song is like cats in the cradle. If it didn't suck, <laughs> it was <laughs> like well-written and profound, not like faux profound, you know? Very, very true. So what to you speaks to the experience of being young in this song? Let's get personal here, Ethan. I mean, on a personal note, like this is, I, I feel like almost every child has gone through this with their adult you know, counterpart, be it a parent or a mentor, or even like a sibling, like the person mm -hmm. who's just older than you and has more experience. This is such a universal experience. And for me, it not only does it perfectly sum up that experience, but now as an adult, mm -hmm. looking back on oh these young people who i'm seeing making these mistakes that i made now you're like wow oh, damn now yeah, i, I mean, want to like, say those things <laughs> the human experience is a problem of perspective right yeah it's like why am i not being understood why do you not remember what it was like to not be understood and then also you don't understand because <laughs> you're not yep. here yet and it's all valid and it's all frustrating and it's all just the circle of frustrated perspectives you know that's that's life baby yeah man so that's, i love it what do you do you feel similarly about the song oh i love it yeah i mean i love this album right yeah. did i show you this album you did yeah because you unfortunately did not have access to the good boomer music. I your, did not. Through your dear I had father. the Kenny G side of things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this I I agree a hundred percent about each and every comment that you made about this album. All right, my choice for youth is a song that, I mean, what better thing to choose for youth than the song that basically invented or at least predicted punk rock in 1966. Had you heard of this band before, Ethan? No, not remotely. Uh, what, what are your initial reactions to it without knowing uh, anything about it? Well, you kind of gave it away that it, predicted or preceded mm -hmm. punk rock like to yeah. me it just felt i sort of listened to this thinking like oh this is like mid 70s or rather like mid 80s yeah <laughs> you know it's like kind of squarely in the middle of everything but did you see what year it was before i said no that? no no no. i didn't so are you shook it i haven't shook it 1966 
wild. So the monks were a group of American GIs stationed in West Germany. They formed in 1964. They were bored. And the three of them joined up with a with a German guy, (laughs) a West German civilian identified simply as Hans with no Mm, last name on drums. So Hans on the drums played music on the bass, on the American army bass, that is. And they were just hanging around from 1964. And they played at first pretty standard music for what you would expect from 64, 65. But then as the Vietnam War started ramping up they started getting kind of angry i can't figure out what gave rise to this but they just from nowhere in a bubble i don't know if they were like hearing other music in germany or something like that but just in a bubble they made this song which is just weird it's it's punk rock but it's from 1966 and it has that sort of like familiar, there's a familiar linkage to garage rock and stuff like that. And, you know, what you might have been hearing from like the Nuggets compilation or, you know, mm. Gloria by them with Van Morrison and stuff like that. But there's something like courageously unhinged about this first song that I chose from their 1966 album, Black Monk Time. It's called Monk Time. It begins with the singer kind of monologuing, and he says, All right, my name's Gary. Let's go. It's beat time. It's hot time. It's monk time. You know, we don't like the army. What army? Who cares what army? Why do you kill all those kids over there in Vietnam? Mad Viet Cong. My brother died in Vietnam. James Bond, who is he? Stop it. Stop it. I don't like it. He's screaming, and they're playing crazy sound effects and then they just like go into this blistering 4-4 pounding punk rock beat yeah so it's staggering you could maybe imagine it i don't know in 1971 or something and being like yeah okay that makes sense but this was like this was 66 and then like nothing happened for a while nothing happened for like 10 years and it doesn't really seem like they were influencing anyone either and they kind of grew a cult following later but anyway, that's just kind of a fun thing about this group. I chose this for youth because probably as an effect of the dynamic that you were describing in the, the Cat Stevens song, right? Because of this feeling when you're young, when you're a teenager, you feel misunderstood. You're beginning to develop a worldview. You're beginning mm-hmm. to understand that things, I would say like a lot of little kids develop a sense of injustice but it's usually like it's not fair what's happening to me and when you become a teenager you start going well it's not fair what's happening with anything right but you you don't have like a fully developed sense of like why or what you should do about it so it becomes pretty like unadulterated anger right yeah and so i just really like this song as this sort of like if it if this wasn't literally the birth of the sound of punk it is the unadulterated spirit of what punk would represent which is this sort of this anger about the state of the world that you don't know what to do with so you just turn it into this sort of blast of screaming this primal scream Um, and so that that to me is another aspect of youth and that's why i chose this song
Yeah, that's really cool. I think I summarized it by my reaction to when I thought this song came yeah, out. Like babies, you know. Right. It's bad brains, you know. Yeah. You know? No, it, that is it, it. It really just sounds like it's the monologue that gets me. Is like yeah. I cannot imagine this in the sixties. Just not even like in New York or something, and an arts, you know, in the art scene with like the Velvet Underground or something. It's just these like crew cut you know gis gis yeah there's like no scene probably it's just a, it's crazy but i mean that's probably like the the reason why they were able to play with such abandon because it's like it didn't matter also they dressed like monks <laughs> uh, <I get laughs> they it. wore habits <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah so that's my choice i hope you check out the album because it's very I'm, fun i'm i'm definitely going to yeah, yeah it's very fun these were such different songs yes they were I mean, Cat Stevens, you know, wins against most people. Right. But thematically, I don't know. They're both pretty good thematically. I, I think it's a tie. They're both, a tie. they're just really, really different. Okay. I will move us on to adulthood. Dude. So when, when did you first feel like an adult, Ethan? Yesterday? Uh, Tomorrow? Yesterday. Tomorrow. Yeah, I don't I... feel like an adult. I I don't know. I think it's really hard to like pin down even what that means. So if you yeah, have a better answer than that. Well, I'll tell you what I think <laughs> being an adult is through my song choice. Do it. So I chose I Know I'm Funny, Ha Ha, which is a great song title. Also the title of the album that it comes from. The I Know I'm Funny is uppercase, but the Ha Ha is lowercase. It's just a great title. Yeah, uh, it, it's by Faye Webster from her 2021 album. I know I'm funny. Ha ha. <laughs> do you know Faye Webster? I do now because I really like this song and I started oh. listening to the album. It's she's so good. Something that I really appreciate about Faye Webster is that she's in the indie rock space, right? She's from Atlanta. She seems to be influenced by bluegrass, but she's definitely playing like and catering to a, the indie rock crowd. All mm. of her songs feature pedal steel played by this guy matt uh stessel and i just really appreciate that it is in her repertoire this pedal steel guitar it's not this like cutesy thing or like this i think i feel like if you had a band in the 2000s like in you remember all those indie rock bands with all those gimmicks like gimmicks like tilly in the wall or something they had like tap dancers and stuff right right or like the polyphonic spree or something but like it's not a gimmick it's not like a cutesy thing or like a, oh i'm just using this for like a weird country texture it's like it's part of her sound it's, it's mm -hmm. fundamental to the music she she plays so i really appreciate that ab about her she can sometimes be a bit of a frustrating songwriter i was reading that she is all about recording as soon as she has an idea with her mm. like she'll get an idea and then just knock it out the same day with the band Sometimes her songs can get a, a little repetitive. Like she, she's really into like locking into like a five word phrase and just repeating it throughout a three minute song. But when, mm -hmm. when she is good, she is so good. And she is mostly very, very, very good on this uh, album. I know I'm funny. haha. And she has a, a wonderful voice on this song. I know I'm funny. haha. I think she captures the drudgery and disappointment low-level amusement of adulthood
you have basically this dinner party scene that she's describing these little like tableaus that are being described right it starts with her saying let's sit around and drink some sake and we can argue about the same things In that little thing there, you have all of the the petty concerns and resentments of paying rent, of maintaining a relationship, having these sorts of resentments bubbling underneath your conversations. We're arguing about the same things, right? Mm-hmm. And also just sort of like these boring, restrained dinner parties. The next verse, she says, I think your sisters are so pretty. Got drunk and they forgot they met me. I made her laugh one time at dinner. She said I'm funny and then I thanked her. But I know I'm funny. Ha ha. And again, like the brilliance of this title and the fact that you have I know I'm funny in in all title case, but then the ha ha is that classic little internet thing Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. I'm saying this thing and it's a little like dark or it's a little mean, but I'm undercutting it because I'm saying ha ha. It's just brilliant. The whole song is brilliantly written. I really think it perfectly captures just all of the complexity and like the melancholy, but also the like, I don't know. It's also kind of cool, the kind of empowerment of being an adult, because all of these silly things that you have to deal with, like they're your own things to deal with, right? Right. You're you're in control of it. You get to be the one who decides to have a sort of like, I don't know, a, a, an amused gallows humor about it all. So... Yeah, this song reminds me very much of Courtney Barnett and that mm-hmm. she she can just choose the right mundane details to like really paint a very powerful picture. Yeah, to, to tell the whole story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the thought that when they say, I think your sisters are so pretty, got drunk and they forgot they met me. It's just like yeah. this story of this relationship that isn't good or bad, but it just sort of doesn't fit just right it's a little uncomfortable and there's this weird resentful dynamic with the family and it doesn't really seem like the relationship's gonna work but maybe they're just too comfortable there's yeah it's you're you're correct it's just there's like so much that's being conveyed through these little details yep yep exactly and you said you're you're listening to the album oh yeah Oh, it's so good. The first song, Better Distractions, is just out of control. It's just a it's just a really good mood. It is. The whole album. And you get what I mean about the lap steel. It's just like it's not it's, it's not integrated. Cute. Doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like an addition on top. So that's yeah. Faye Webster. Nice man. Uh well I chose again another artist, you indie underground, just a few words <laughs> to describe Paul Simon. So I that was dude, going that to dude choose... has got to be that dude has got to be 90 by now. He's he's he's, he's up there, man. Yeah, I was going to choose a song by a different artist that I very much like, namely Madison Cunningham. Hmm. I was going to choose a song Who, by Madison Cunningham. Thanks to you. I have been been listening to her a lot. She is amazing. 
and so Madison underrated. Cunningham, really good. And man, listen, go go listen to Madison Cunningham. Uh, I chose a song by Paul Simon because it does a lot of the same things musically and lyrically that the Madison Cunningham song does. And I want to talk about Paul Simon. I don't know why. I have this album on vinyl and I was listening to it and I was like, damn, this is a good choice for the adult category. So the song I chose is Have a Good Time from the album Still Crazy After All These Years. You and I, when we're like, 80 at the Grinnell reunion are going to be sitting next to each other and you're going to go we're still crazy after all these years I'm, I'm still crazy right don't you think so <sighs> so if you don't know this song it is this is this album is sort of Paul Simon trying to get a little funky with it and uh, this song is no different it's definitely trying to go like Marvin Gaye a little <laughs> bit it's mm-hmm. trying to like have that same kind of attitude but it's doing a bit of a different thing and it's very tongue-in-cheek yesterday it was my birthday i hung one more year on the line i should be depressed i'll just give you the opening stanza yesterday it was my birthday i hung one more year on the line i should be depressed my life's a mess but i'm having a good time that's Um, the most that's the most paul simon there's just i i can't describe it there's just something about the way he uses chooses words i hung one more year on the line is just so paul simon you know what it is is it sounds like a cliche that i've never heard yeah yeah (laughs) a really familiar unfamiliar cliche he's a a cliche inventor he's a cliche machine this song uh so a few things a few kind of like stray thoughts about the song before i get into it as i said very much a marvin Gaye kind of feel this song ends with like a ripping saxophone solo so if you listen all the way through you will be treated to kamasi (laughs) washington-esque shredding that for some reason fades out the thing i really like about this song is the way in which the music the musical choice that paul simon makes mirrors the sort of uncertainty of the lyrics and just more like uncertainty generally about adulthood in the sense of like things are cool are they cool i don't know i'm not really sure how to evaluate things (laughs) and the verses if you're listening to the song it definitely like you can bop along and you can nod your head but what's happening in the verses is he's doing a measure of four four and then he does a measure of three so it Hmm. cuts off a beat where you're not expecting a beat to get cut off it's that subtle disruption that is just great musical painting he is he is taking the sense of uncertainty in the lyrics and the sense of uncertainty about being an adult and getting older and putting it into the music and making you feel like am i missing something did did something just happen and i kind of didn't notice it mm-hmm. because again to the casual listener this is just a nice we're having a good time so i just i've i've always admired this song for that reason that it gives you that sense of unease but you're not really sure why um, right, I think right. that's a really powerful tool. 
Yeah, I like that. What do you think of this song? Is this a is this a good Paul Simon song or a meh or a bad? Dude, I love Paul Simon. I love everything he does except Graceland. I don't I don't get what is what is up with my brain. I truly am just delighted by everything he does and this is no exception and then it's just yeah. like great graceland is just like the weird orphan outlier for me and i, I don't I mean, know why you can just go listen to like any of the bands that got featured honestly like for right. me graceland I, I love graceland but i also understand people being like not that impressed and it's sort of like okay we'll just go listen to like the lion we've, Su- we've covered Su- actually, like, yeah. a lot of african yeah. musicians on this show but like you could go to listen to like any of the artists individual musicians or artists that were on that album and you'd be fine nice um let's uh let's give it to paul since i um stole it from him last time with graceland and uh you know faye we're gonna we're gonna feature her again you know she has a career ahead of her so no yeah i i just i i just love everything he does i'm i'm big on paul nice um, well, let's talk about my choice for our last category, death. Do you believe yes. in death, Ethan? Do you believe death exists? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, do you believe in the afterlife? No, no, no. Do you believe do death I believe exists? in death? Uh, ooh, good question. I what think, is to be alive, even? Hmm? I think everyone who has died is just faking it. Damn. It's a, it's, it's it's a, a cons- lot of insurance money. <laughs> It's a, it's a conspiracy against the living. Me. Me, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so what did, what did you choose for death? I chose a song by an artist that I wanted to talk about. And, who, really said, and who said the word death in the title. <laughs> exactly. The <laughs> song has nothing to say about death. In fact, it is literally just a metaphor. It's just about um, life. <laughs> it's It's about love. I chose the song Darker Than Death by so, Indigo D'Souza. So even though this song is like, both for both of us, a song that we adore, um, I'm automatically going to win the category. But Oh, f- there's no still, question. Still, tell the people about your amazing pick. So let's start with Indigo D'Souza. She's like 12. Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, she's not actually 12, but she is. <laughs> okay, 25. she's 25. She's 25. She has the voice of a 12-year-old. You are getting older. You I am. God, I think I a 25-year-old is a 12-year-old. In my head, every single artist that I like, all of these like new, especially female, like rock or R&B artists, I'm like, oh, you're like 16, right? Like everybody is just <laughs> a, the next lord. It's just a child, yeah. So Indigo D'Souza from Asheville, North Carolina, a Great town, if you don't know of it. Uh, It is where the Moog headquarters are, in case anybody was wondering. And a friend of the show, Evan Salad Bar, lived there. Good old Salad Bar. Grew up in California and started basically, again, everyone is just teeny tiny when they start producing their own music, because that's just what you can do now. Started (laughs) producing her own recordings in 2016 basically just started putting out music independently released her first full length by herself and then any shape you take which is the album that this song is from came out in 2021 and that's saddle creek yes indeed oh that's cool that's our uh omaha specialty omaha and it was produced by brad cook who has done stuff with like waxahachie and bon iver and 
it kind of in that like indie rock genre but this i feel like indigo de souza is at the very edge of that like really pushes a lot of crazy sound mm-hmm. um especially for an artist who is so early in her musical career if you have not listened to this album thank you dane for turning me on to this album oh but yeah. it's so good it's very very good and, and it it's, is so it's, it's very styli- yeah stylistically diverse there are songs on here that sound like taylor swift songs <laughs> there are songs on here that sound that literally devolve into just like wolf eyes noise, yeah <laughs> screaming and you know i have to say this is like a thing that's been happening more and more lately where artists are not afraid to do all different types of stuff like sis's latest album she has uh, a like, pop punk song a, a pop punk song that sounds like a good charlotte song like a, a very good good charlotte song that's but my favorite that's song. my favorite song on the album it's so good <laughs> it's so good it's catchy but you know like people aren't afraid to do this and i i am here for it 100 percent. again also indigo de souza has indigo de souza has the voice for all that diversity like her voice she, on this track is so powerful it's so good staggering yeah let's talk about the song the second song on the album again lyrical content if you wanted to know you were darker than death when i spoke to you last was it something i said was it something i did she's basically like oh my god you were so upset the last time we talked what's going on did i do something wrong it's that nervous energy of like did i upset the person i love and i don't really know why and you're just like perseverating on it that's not the important part that's my it's about death ostensibly (laughs) this song dude when it gets to the chorus, the, one of the things I love is there is a first chorus, which is mainly instrumental, and then second chorus where her vocals kick in as well. There are a few times where a drum kicking in has like pierced the hole in my skull to the same degree that it does in this song. Like when that snare hits, I don't know what they did to make it sound like that, but it is so powerful. Yeah, I mean, give a medal also to the producer. Well, Indigo D'Souza produced it with Brad Cook, so give them a medal. Yeah. For their production job. and this whole album has like amazing production, just super varied. Again, like you're going from like pop world to indie world to like noise world and everything in between. So, um, oh, man, I, I don't have more to say about it. That's all I got. Also, the name of the album is Any Shape You Take. Any Indigo D'Souza. <laughs> well, nice shoehorn. It's you know disqualified on a technicality but it is one of the ultimate bops like very good of the era it is it is an Mm. incredible song
My choice for death, uh, the song that represents death, is There is a Mountain by Donovan, who is a man that I spent many years thinking was Welsh. He is Scottish, which is very disappointing. Why is that disappointing? They're just different things. Oh, it's no... uh, They're next door to each other, man. I mean, it's not a knock on Scotland. It's just like, oh, a really famous Welsh person. That's cool. Yeah. There are lots of cool Welsh people. They have their own freaking language, man. They don't need to be cooler. That's cool. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm going to keep that in the episode because it's it's very interesting what I'm saying. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, The song I chose is There is a Mountain by Donovan. We have talked about Donovan before. I don't need to introduce him. There is a mountain. Then there is no mountain. Then there is. I'm not going to do any commentary. I'm just going to have Ethan do. First there is a mountain. (laughs) It's a very good impression. How can you not fucking like this song? So this was smack dab in the middle of like, you know, Donovan sort of began his career as a bit of a Dylan imitator. Some of those early acoustic songs were were pretty good. Like Colors is a really nice song. And then like you can start to see that like with Hurdy Gurdy Man, he's starting to get more into psychedelic music. And he actually had a relationship with the Beatles. He apparently contributed the phrase sea of green to the song yellow submarine so mm. good job donovan nice work we really needed that line in yellow submarine <laughs> but um as he started getting more hippy dippy psychedelic he started incorporating all that harpsichord late 60s texture to his work and then also really getting into fantasy imagery Mm. and like zen philosophy and stuff like that and so this song there is a mountain to get back to this idea of first there is a mountain every time i say the title ethan will have to sing it so i I have to i have to step in (laughs) so this song whose title i will not say it goes back to my first choice sort of thematically the t-rex song which is that it is very stupid but then if you dig past your sort of irony poisoning, your your Twitter addicted irony, irony poisoning, it's actually quite profound. And mm. what Donovan was doing in this song was was in the way that all the sort of hippy dippy white dudes in the 60s were just borrowing from, you know, Zen Cohen's and hanging out with the Maharishi and getting mm-hmm. into yoga and shit, just kind of cherry picking their their groovy transcendentalism. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have lyrics that are the lock upon my garden's a snail. That's what it is. Which is like whatever. The caterpillar, the caterpillar sheds his skin to find a butterfly within. You know, all that's fine. It's a very repetitive song, and it kind of like it's like bolero or something. It kind of like it loops and kind of builds. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's a very like pretty fun song. There is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. But the title line, which is what, Ethan? First there is a mountain, then there is no mountain, then there is. I find that to be like a pretty, I don't know, comforting and profound commentary on death. I don't know. Mm. I mean, it's like in that way that a, a Zen Cohen is about 
right like, like you know you're supposed to sort of wonder in 10 different directions what it means yeah. but if you think about it like the span of time if we're applying that to uh, the span of our lives there is a mountain then there is no mountain then there is if you think about that in terms of earth and about existence right like all these things are going to be there whether we're there or not and then they will disappear and then something else will take its place right yeah and if and, and i i would be surprised if donovan wasn't playing around with that as a sort of meditation on the nature of life right like first there is your life and the subtext being that before kind of like what we were saying with t-rex right you're you are nothing and mm -hmm. then you become something and then you become nothing again and then surely you will become something again first there is a mountain mm -hmm. then there is no mountain then there is so i think that's just kind of a i don't know a pretty beautiful thing and like you said it could be applied to so much it can be applied to like the way we're destroying our earth the caterpillar sheds its skin to find a butterfly within what do you i don't know what do you make of that do you do you do you see that or do you think donovan was just like really high and not thinking like that or both um it can be both <laughs> i mean i think with any good sort of like you said zen meditation there are a lot of ways to interpret it i think for me like right now in my life that resonates with me in the sense that like you can look at it from a macro lens and you can look at it from a micro lens. Mm -hmm. There are days where it feels like I wake up and everything is happening and there's 10,000 things to consider. Right. And then the next moment, everything's fine and chill. And I'm just like in this valley of calmness. Yeah. And then the next moment there's crazy stuff again. And also you can look at it across your entire life and think, you know, wow, at first it felt like there was all of these things to be concerned about. And then I realized as I got through my life, you know, everything was actually a little bit simpler and yeah. what's really going to be a challenge is, you know, what's ahead of me or right. what's ahead of me is just a mountain to climb towards enlightenment or whatever. Or and I, like I think that. that like, that's such a nice way to be able to manipulate that metaphor to suit your moment. It's pretty yeah. cool. I guess it's all just a way of saying that those hippies were were right because they were just so high. Dude, the higher you get, it's like a horse the horseshoe theory, right? The higher you get, you eventually come back around to being totally sane. <laughs> the stupider you are, the smarter you get. Like a fox. <laughs> So, Ethan, what is, as a way of, oh, I do, so I get the point, I win the episode. Um, <laughs> as a way of sort of um, ending with this episode, which is called Life, I have a, a question for you. What is the meaning of life? Uh, mm. First, there is a mountain, then there is <laughs> Hey, he was right. Do you know he what I think? Right. Do you know what I think the meaning of life? I was about to ask. Tell me, what, what are your thoughts? Ethan, the meaning of life is 
to subscribe to our podcast, rate it five stars on iTunes, and listen to the Chorus versus Chorus official Spotify playlist. That I think is a great summary of what life is and really should be about. And if that is not what you're doing with your life, you're living an empty, frankly, shitty life. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> Great way of ending our podcast to our listeners saying, shame on you. Listeners. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> well, we love Ethan, you. We're we ashamed you. of you. And we're and ashamed of ourselves. Time. Until next time, enjoy your life. Ta-ta.